morning's talk is based around a quiz. But the first thing you've got to do is work out who we're talking about. Okay? So if you are little, then these questions are really aimed at you. All right, so first off then, your first clue is that we are talking about a heroine of the Bible today. So I know we've had heroes of the faith, but today's is a heroine. Does anybody want to stab a guess for five points? Oh. And she gets it. Although, I mean, you're not a little person, so that's slightly cheating, Hannah. <laughs> Boo. Go, go up to Hannah. Oh God. Go, go ask Bethany. Ask Bethany. Please, can you... Who, who are we talking about? Esther. <laughs> yes. Well done, Bethany. You get five points. Five Brilliant. Points. So I don't need, need any of my other clues, do I? Right. Oh. So we can now show the next slide. So she was... Oh, Ben's struggling here. She was quite remarkable. Um, and we are going to have some kind of fun, some trivia, as well as some serious stuff. Now... Esther has already, I think, because I can hear them, given you some dice. Now, there is a very specific reason why you've got dice, and it, we will talk about that in a few minutes. But if you're having a trouble with any of the quiz questions, then I suggest you just roll a dice and plump for an answer, because they're all out of six, just to make life a little bit more fun. And all the way through this, we are going to be looking out for God incidents. So things that sometimes you might think are coincidences, but actually throughout this story, they are things that God has put in place for his purpose. And each one of them is going to point you to a letter. So I'm going to hand you over to my helper again, who's going to explain a little bit about this. Okay. Ah, I'm loud. Okay, so for the children, I'm going to, well, mother's going to hand out some letters in a sheet of paper. Um, and hopefully some pens. Um, um, the ones with the little chopped corners are a little bit trickier than the ones without the chopped corners. So basically what you want to do, mother, is what look... Not colour anything in. Not colour anything in and look for the word. Look for the word. And look for a word written in the magical piece of paper. So, um, should I go hand this out? Yeah, so there will be clues. Don't get too enthusiastic about your colouring because it is important that you wait for the clues and colour the letters in. What you could do, I guess, is pick two colours and colour the clue letters in in one colour and then you can do the others. Right, okay, so on to the quiz then. How much do you know? Which of these famous people has a daughter named Esther? What do you reckon? Anybody want to roll their dice or have a guess? Or... Go on, Ben. I feel you might know this. Ewan McGregor does indeed have a daughter called Esther. Now, let me let you into a little secret, though. There is more than one correct answer. Don't we just love that in a quiz? Hannah? 
Yes, although technically Donna's daughter is called Estheray because it's a Malawian form of Esther. Very good. Yeah, one of her twins. There is another. In fact, there's another two. Betty? Yes. Now, th this is quite a mouthful. So her full name, bless her, and it probably won't surprise you to learn that apparently she wants to change her name, is Princess Tiami Crystal Esther. Poor girl. Yes. Right, Ben, you're going to guess the last one then? Very good, very good. Okay, you're, I can see you're going to be very good at this. Right, okay, so the next quiz question then. How many Esthers do we have in church? Well, I mean, yes, this is open to a little bit of... Two? Any advances on two? So I think one of them is fairly obvious. Three? Three? Two or three? Okay, so you're going to tell us who the other two are? No, my dice says Oh, your dice says three. Oh, okay. Well, well it, I mean, yeah. Yes, Esther Danilov. And then, although the Jevons no longer come on a Sunday morning, Susie is still part of our small group, so we kind of count her Esther as well. So your dice was right, Ben. How good was that? Okay, right, next quiz question then. This is uh, looking at your, your biblical history here. No cheating with phones, I would just like to say. Uh, when? When? Please, can you do? Sorry, thank you. When was the book of Esther written? So wait, get an answer. And then. Okay, so if you'd like to put your hand up, I'll come round with the magical mic of mysteries. Four. Four. Ah. No, sadly, not Does anybody four. else have an answer that they would like saying to the magical mic. Five. Yes. Oh, my goodness. The shepherds are on fire this morning. It is indeed five. So, <laughs> don't look so surprised. It's very biblical using dice. To, um, after God punished the kingdom of Israel, they were taken into exile first. Then the kingdom of Judah were taken into exile for the string of kings that broke the covenant God made with them at Mount Sinai. And they were taken captive by the superpower of the time, Babylon. By the time our heroine comes along, Babylon has been taken over by Persia. And there's this huge empire, which is... We can go to the next slide, actually, to see my little map for any of you geography geeks out there. Um, Huge empire, which encompasses most of the known world at the time, and the Jews were spread out across this world. And even though the king at the time had actually allowed some of them to come back to Jerusalem and some rebuilding had taken place, um, Mordecai and Esther were amongst many Jews who remained in Persia. They are in the capital city of Susa, exactly where God needed them to be. Now, if anybody likes these kind of geeky facts, that is modern-day Iran. Um, and there might, I kind of was speculating when I was writing this, there might have been quite a lot of pressure on not just 
Esther and Mordecai, but all of the other Jews, to go back to Jerusalem because that's where they were supposed to be. That was their homeland. And, and I imagine that they was like, why, why aren't you going back? Why, why, aren't, why are you staying here? What, what's here for you? God says you should go back. But this is coming up to our first God incident. God needed them, Mordecai and Esther. He needed them in Susa. And so that's where they were. Right, so are you looking out? The next slide is going to show you your first letter if you're doing the colouring. I, I don't want to stop adults colouring if would, they want would, to, by the would way. Would any adults like a colouring sheet if they don't have one? <laughs> so what's the letter? Who can tell me what the letter is? Can you spot it, Henry? Oh, sorry, you haven't got the slide yet. Can you see the big purple letter? Look oh, up I, here. Should I go around with the mic? V, well done. It's a v now, it's not the first letter of your word. I've made things a little tricky for you. You're going to have to do a little bit of anagram spotting. So Queen Vashti was the queen at the time. And this is the opening of the book of Esther. This is what happened during the time of Xerxes. The Xerxes who ruled 127 provinces stretching from India to Kush. In the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all his nobles and officials, the military leaders of Persia and Media, the princes and the nobles of the provinces were present. Now, this was a big, long feast. There was quite a lot of drinking, I think more drinking than eating. And by the end of this, I suspect all, but particularly the king, were rather under the influence of alcohol. At this point, he decides to summon his queen and parade her in front of all these officials. She's not so keen and refuses. Now, you might think that's not unreasonable, but in this time, she was more property of the king than partner to the king. So to say no potentially meant she was going to lose her head. At the very least, she was going to be ostracized, which indeed she was. And all of the king's nobles came around and said, we can't have this, we're going to have everybody's wives disobeying their husbands, kick her out. And so she was kicked out. She was no longer queen, she couldn't really go anywhere, she couldn't have any other life, she was banished to some dark corner of the palace, and the king was left with a bit of a problem. But it's really interesting here, so God needs Esther in that position as queen. Now, I'm not suggesting for one moment that God created this drunken festival in order to get Esther in place, but we need to remember that God will use anybody. He doesn't need a follower in order to work out his plan. He will work out his plan through whoever and whatever ways are there. He doesn't need perfect people. He doesn't even need Christians. If we're not there... He will use somebody else, but his way will prevail. So this is our first God incident. Okay, right. Back to Esther for the next quiz question. Okay, so uh, second, second or third? Next quiz question is, where can you find the book of Esther in the Bible? Okay, if we look at the next slide, there's a few clues. Attached. To numbers. Okay, so, so put your hand up and I'll come around with my roaming mic, whatever it's called. 
Old Testament. You're going to pick a number? You're going to roll. Have you got a dice, Teddy or Rosie? I know. Roll the dice. Do you, want to, do you want to roll the dice? Three. And she gets it. <laughs> I would just like to say there was no collusion. Uh, there's been no preparation going on here. Absolutely, yes. Esther is the last of the history books. Um, she follows Ezra and Nehemiah, even though the things that happened, happened before Nehemiah. So this is about 100 years after the Jews have been taken into captivity and about 50 years after the first of them had started to return. Okay, right, Esther, next quiz question. Next quiz question. Okay. True or false? First one, Esther was a refugee. So again, just put your hands up. And just and do I'll a little thumbs up, thumbs oh, down. Okay. What do you think? Okay, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay. Yeah. Yep, you are right. 11. She was living in Persia. Her parents had fled or been forcibly taken from their homeland. Interesting fact that I learned this morning, the 20th, which was Monday, I think we worked out, was International Refugee Day. Next true or false question. The early church did not regard the book of Esther as part of the scripture. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Trues. Yep, you are right. In fact, Martin Luther, the he of the Reformation, said that it was too aggressively Jewish. Um, and it it did eventually become part of the canon of the Bible, but there was a tricky part of the fact that, as we will see, there's not much mention of God. However, the thread of salvation and God's plan runs through the whole book. Okay, next one. Is it Haman. Ha ha Haman, the protagonist, was a former ally of the Jews. So the protagonist True of the or story false. is the kind of the villain. Okay, one false. Okay. One true, true. False. False. Yeah, true. you are right. In actual fact, another fact I learned this week, he was a Canaanite. So when the Israelites first crossed the River Jordan into the Promised Land, it was the land of Canaan. And so he came from that tribe of people who originally lived there. So you could argue one of the Jews' oldest enemies. I have no idea whether this influenced him further on in the story. Okay, right. Our next God incident. Are you looking out for the letter on the next slide? That's me. Sorry. Okay. Who can spot it? <clears throat> can you spot it? Okay. Very good. Yes, well done. Okay, so this is the next passage that we're going to focus on. Okay. So, um, I need to face this way. Read it off here. Do I read the top bit? Okay. Now there was a... You pressed on it. Now there was a Tadiel of Susa, a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin, named Mordecai, who had been carried into exile from Jerusalem by 
Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Mordecai has a cousin, had a cousin named Hadassah, whom he had brought up because she had neither father nor mother. This girl, who was also known as Esther, was lovely in form and features. When the king's order and edict had been proclaimed, many girls were brought to the citadel, citadel of Susa. Esther was also taken to the king's palace. So the king has now realized that there's a little bit of a gap. He has no queen. And he has summoned girls from all over the Persian Empire. Now, they obviously deliberately picked girls who were young and beautiful. They were not married. Their character was immaculate. They were then subject to 12 months of beauty treatments. So they had oils for six months and then another six months of cosmetics. I mean, it just... I don't know whether it sounds heaven or torture, really. Esther, through all this time, on the advice of Mordecai, kept quiet about her faith. She didn't let on that she was Jewish. And that was Mordecai's instructions, which is quite a difficult thing to get your head around, isn't it? And it's something that I've often struggled with. Why? You know, we're told to be open about our faith, not to hide it. And yet she deliberately kept it under wraps. Sometimes we need to let our actions speak louder than our words. She had to earn the respect and the favor of the people in the palace before she could speak out. If they had known that she was a Jew at the beginning, she probably never would have made it into the palace because although there were Jews all over the kingdom, there was a lot of prejudice at the time. Now, it won't surprise you to learn that our second God incident, the king favoured Esther. There were maybe a hundred or so girls brought into the palace. And out of all of them, the king, is the, the king chose Esther to be his new queen. Right, back to our Next question. quiz question. What language did Esther's name come from? Is it one, Persian, two, Hebrew, three, Babylonian, four, Greek, Five, Canaanite, or six, Aramaic. Have you got an answer? Two. Okay. Bethany rolled a six. Oh, Bethany, your dice has failed you this time. Her name was Persian. So Hadassah was her Hebrew name. And her name was Persian, which is what she was mainly known by. Okay, next quiz question. Oh, what does Esther's name mean? Is it one, morning star, two, faithful, three, hidden, four, queen, five, myrtle, or six, fragment? Fragrant. Fragrant. My bad. Fragment. Oh, um, five. <laughs> four, we have a four. I have a four and a five. Well, five is interesting because Hadassah, her Hebrew name, does indeed mean myrtle. Uh, her Persian name means... Oh, oh, oh. oh not four. Yeah. No, it means morning star. You said it was describing star. Morning star. Sorry, sorry, yeah. 
There is an interesting little twist on this, though, that the Hebrew um, sort of pronunciation of her name actually means hidden in Hebrew, uh, which is just quite an interesting plot twist, isn't it, really? Because she, there are lots of things that stay hidden in this story. The Jews regard the book of Esther as hugely significant. They believe that um, in the Messianic era, it will show God's hope of salvation because through all of that dark time when the Jews were in captivity, God was working out his plan and eventually that would come to fruition just as Esther came to the fore. Uh, I also like the fact that, I don't know if there's any chemists out you, sorry, another geek spot, and ester in biochemistry, no H, is a compound, an organic compound, that most of the time has a very distinctive, often fruity fragrance. And I love this because actually throughout the book of Esther, even though Old Testament, Jesus isn't mentioned, but the fragrance of Jesus is there. So, are we ready for our next letter? There's two of them this time. Okay, let me... Okay, Rosie. What letters? The capital A and the lowercase a. Very good. I think I've actually put all capitals on your sheet. But yeah, you will need to colour in two A's, okay? So the next part of the story builds up on this hidden theme because not only does Esther keep her Jewish identity hidden, but she also keeps her relationship with Mordecai hidden, even though they are constantly getting messages to and from each other. Mordecai continues to kind of train Esther, give her wisdom and counsel. This verse here shows us what they are doing through all of that. Can I stand? Thank you. Thus says the Lord, Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you'll find your welfare. And they have taken this to heart. So they are seeking the welfare of the city where they are living. Okay. Now, the next part of the story is Mordecai, who is sitting regularly at the king's gates, happens to overhear of a plot to assassinate the king. I mean, you, if you were writing a soap opera or, a, I don't know, a, a dramatic story, you couldn't do better than the book of Esther. Now, Mordecai is following the commands from Jeremiah, who knew they were going to live in exile, and was advising them to look out for those people in authority over them. So immediately, he gets a message to the king, the plot is uncovered, and the two guards who are plotting the assassination meet a grisly death. Now, even though this wasn't something that God planned, he has used it for his purposes. And so we should be seeking the welfare of those in authority over us. doesn't matter if they're Christians. 
God has put them in that place of responsibility. And as Christians, we too should be following this command from Jeremiah and seeking their welfare. I would just like to qualify that by saying that does not mean that if we are commanded to cause harm or directly go against some of God's commands, we should be doing that. But generally in our everyday lives, the way we glorify God is by following this command. Right, back to Esther. Next quiz, next quiz question. Who wrote the book of Esther? Is it one, Ezra, two, Moses, three, Nehemiah, four, Mordecai, five, Esther herself, or six, Jeremiah? What did you get? Six. Six, okay, there's some... Well, it's kind of a trick question. Don't we hate trick questions? Nobody knows. So there are a number of theories. And indeed, Betty, Bethany, one of the theories is that Esther and Mordecai wrote it together. So we don't know, but that is possibly. Another theory is that it was written by Nehemiah because there's actually a lot of similarities between the books of Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther. But the real answer is, we don't know. So, just kind of thinking about writing things down. You remember the assassination plot that we've just talked about? That has now been written up in the king's official records. Okay? For the moment, tucked away and forgotten. But watch out, because it's going to come back again. Right, next God incident and next letter. Who can spot a letter, a purple big capital letter? Is it? It is indeed. Well done. So get that coloured in. So Esther was biding her time but all the while Haman the protagonist of our story who we haven't actually met yet was building up his reputation he was the king's right-hand man and he thought very highly of himself he also didn't really like the Jews so he was kind of doing two things at the same time. He was building up his own reputation, simpering to the king, getting more and more loyal to him so that he could get himself into the position he wanted to, and at the same time trying to work out how he could get rid of these pesky Jews. Now, he came up with a plan but all of this time, Esther is just living out her life in the palace. Want to read this verse? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain con conceit. Paul's wise words are something that we all need to remember when we get into a position of influence. So Esther didn't have any power, but she certainly had influence. She was the queen. And she just not actually followed Paul's advice, because obviously it was written 
a long time after. But this is important to us. It's very easy if we're given positions of power and influence to let that corrupt us, take our focus away from God. But Esther kept her eyes on God. She kept grounded. Mordecai made sure of that. Whatever position we are in, we need to make sure that our eyes stay fixed on God. Right, so the next passage we're going to read. After these event, events, after yes. these events, King Xerxes honoured Haman, elevating him and giving him, him a seat of honour higher than all that of all the other nobles. All the royal officials at the king's gate knelt down and paid honour to Haman, for the king had commanded this, but Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honour. So this is undoubtedly going to bring trouble on Mordecai, isn't it? So the king has told everybody that Haman has been raised to such a position that they should kneel down to him. Now, this is where Mordecai took the decision, I'm no longer going to obey. This isn't right. If I kneel down to him, I am treating Haman like God. And that is expressly forbidden. So he didn't. However, Haman is infuriated by this and starts to plot more deeply. He sidles up to the king and says, do you realize that there are a people here living in this country who refuse to acknowledge you? They won't bow down to you. And of course, the king has in the back of his mind this assassination plot. And so he takes on board what Haman is saying and agrees to get rid of all of these people who are a threat to him. This is, of course, the Jewish people. And what happens next gives us our next letter. Right, are you ready? Can you see the next purple letter? Okay. Is it la? It is indeed, because this is how Haman picked the date when Jews throughout the kingdom of Persia were going to be killed. Okay. In the twelfth year of King Xerxes, in the first month, the month of Nisan, they called the Pur, that is the lot, in the presence of Haman to select a day and month. Dispatches were sent by couriers, couriers to all the king's provinces with of the order to destroy, kill, and annihilate all of the Jews, young and old, women and children, on a single day, and to plunder their goods. It's pretty grim, isn't it? And they picked a date by casting lots. And that's why I gave you all dice, because actually this is key to another part and the Sorry, not to be a spoiler, but the happy ending of the story. The Jews hold this book very highly because of this concept of pure, and it has given rise to the festival of Purim, which is a very fun and very colourful festival that the Jews still celebrate to this day. And it commemorates not just their salvation and this particular incident, but actually repeated times through history when various times and authorities and powers have tried to exterminate the Jews unsuccessfully. So 
the dice that we have been using reminds us that sometimes there might be chance thrown in, but actually God is using that. Now, even that specific date that was brought about by casting lots was in God's time. This wasn't about God allowing the destruction of the Jews. This was about God getting Esther into a position so that Haman's plan was thwarted. So the next verses remind us that whatever humans plan, God will have his way. Behold the wicked man. He makes a pit, digging it out, and falls into the hole that he has made. Psalm 7 Verse 15. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? He who sits in the heaven laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. 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 Psalm 2, verse 1 and 4. So we look around us and we see wars, we see the effects of climate change, we see famine, we, say, we see unstable governments, we see uprisings and invasions, and it looks to us like the world is in a mess. But God is still in control. All of these people, all of these authorities are under God's ultimate authority and his judgment will prevail at the end of time. But in the meantime, just like Esther, our job is to be in the right place at the right time. The next passage we're going to read from Esther is a little bit more cheerful. Mordecai sent back this answer to Esther. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. And who knows but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. So Mordecai knows. He knows in his heart that all of these events that have built up are actually for a purpose and that God is in control. So Esther says, right, okay, fine, but you do realize that even as queen, I can't approach the king. It's forbidden. Anybody approaching the king without permission can be put to death, subject to the king holding out his scepter. So the queen asks Mordecai to get all of the Jews in the community to pray and fast for three days. She does the same. And then on the third day, she dresses in her best royal robes and enters the court of the king. Now, I cannot imagine what must have been going through her mind at this point. The king might have had a bad day. He might have had a sleepless night. Somebody else might have wound him up. He might have been focusing on people trying to kill him. All of those things, she could then have ended up being put to death. But he looked at her and was pleased, held out his scepter. Esther approached it, touched the end of his scepter, and I just imagine that feeling of relief. She then invites the king and Haman to a banquet. She's very clever, very wise. The five years she's had in the royal palace have obviously taught her a lot about who holds the power in this kingdom. So 
Haman's ego must be absolutely sky high at this point. The banquet for just the queen, him and the king. However, even at the end of that banquet, Esther senses things aren't quite right. So she plans another banquet and invites them back again. By which point, Haman is like puffed up and feeling amazing. Right, next quiz question. Another quiz. Okay. Which of these facts about the book of Esther is false, so not true? Is it one, God is only mentioned once in the entire book. Two, Esther was of Jewish royal lineage. Lineage. Three, Esther is the only book of the Bible to institute a festival. Four, Esther's name means hidden in Hebrew. Five, Esther was Mordecai's niece. Or six, Esther became queen of Persia. So you want to put your hands up and I'll come round. I'm going to say three. Ah, oh, well, three. yeah, you don't, you don't look. Is that what your dice said? Oh, you just... So the Festival of Purim was instituted from the book of Esther. So that one is true. Right, so the one that is not true is... Oh, Essie's saying t two? Number two. She, yeah, interestingly, she was of royal lineage. She was a descendant of Saul, although, you know, I mean, I guess by that point, there were probably thousands of descendants of Saul. The, f the one that's incorrect is? One? Yes. So, in fact, God's name is not mentioned at all. Now, this was probably very deliberate because it was written during the time of the Persian Empire. And if God's name had been written into it, then it would have been changed into the name of the current Persian God. And so they probably very deliberately left it out so that the book would point to Yahweh, the one and only God, and not be corrupted by anything else. God is working through. He doesn't need his name to be mentioned for his plan to work through. Right, next God incident. And we are building up our final letters here. There is one more letter to come. Okay, right, what, what have we got here? What letters? Any ideas? Rosie, can you, you had your hand up quite a lot. Can you spot the Esther? Can you spot the letters, Rosie? I am. Well done. Excellent. So, a little bit of insomnia and a little bit of nighttime reading. Yeah, you get to read. That night, the king could not sleep, so he ordered the book of the Chronicles, the record of his reign, to be brought, to be brought in and read to him. It was found recorded there that Mordecai had exposed two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway, who conspired, the who conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. There is no better bit of his history that he could have been reading that night. Isn't that amazing? Because on the next slide, our last letter. Okay, can anyone spot the capital letter? In purple, writing, and it comes up. Okay. Henry. Oh. Yes, well done. 
So the king then has this discussion with the person who is reading the history to him. What honour and recognition has Mordecai received for this? The king asked. Nothing has been done for him, his attendants answered. The king said, who is in the court? Now, Haman had just entered the outer court of the palace to speak to the king about hanging Mordecai on the gallows he had erected for him. So, Haman's feeling very chuffed with himself. He's got his plan to exterminate the Jews. He's making sure that he personally gets to hang Mordecai and he's entered the court just as the king is reminded of how Mordecai saved his life. I, this is my favorite bit of the story because Haman, I can just imagine him walking in, the king summons him and he must be thinking, oh, what now? I'm just, I am the number one. And so the king asks him this question. What should be done for the man the king delights to honour? Who is the king talking about? Mordecai. Who does Haman think the king is talking about? Himself. So Haman goes off on this great big long list of all of the things that he would like to be seen done to him. He's going to ride through the city on the king's steed, dressed in the king's robes, bearing the king's signet ring on his finger. And so at the end of all this, the king says, great, right, off you go. Could you please go and carry this out to Mordecai? My goodness, it must have been like popping the balloon of his ego. Yeah, pop. So we're almost at the point where we're going to bring our letters back together. But what we need to remember is the second banquet hasn't yet happened. So all of that little incident happens in between Esther's first banquet and her second banquet. She hasn't yet got to the point where she needs to talk to the king about this plot. So on our next slide, we're going to read the next bit and final bit for today in the passage in the chapter of Esther, book of Esther. So the king and Haman went to fine with Queen Esther. And as they were drinking wine on that second day, King asked again, Queen Esther, what is, your, what is your petition? It will be given you. What is your request? Even up, even up to half the kingdom, it will be granted. This is the point where Esther then talks about what is going to happen. And she puts the pieces of the puzzle together for the king. He has no idea that she is a Jew. He has no idea that actually Haman has been feeding him false information in order to get this plot to exterminate the Jews. And now she has got herself into this position of influence and she tells him the whole story. The king is outraged, outraged that Haman has maneuvered his way into this position for his own ends. And in his fury, he then discovers that, in actual fact, he has, Haman has some gallows built in his back garden. And so he commands his soldiers to come take Haman out. And the whole thing is flipped. And Haman gets the punishment that he was wanting to meet out on Mordecai. But in the meantime, in another bizarre part of ancient history, apparently the king can't undo his command to kill all the Jews. 
But what he can do is send out a second command, which means the Jews are allowed to arm and defend themselves. And that is, in fact, what happens. Right, so before we flip on to the final slide, in fact, actually, we can go on to the next slide. So we have our... We have all of our God incidents which gave us letters. So you can hit them. And they are... Read them from, read them from here so you're facing the right. Queen Vashti deposed <laughs> the search for a new queen. S. Assassination attempt. Assassination attempt. A. An A. The threat of Haman. T. Casting lots. L. Insomnia and nighttime reading. I and N. And then an opportune moment. O. So, has anybody worked out what the word okay. is from those letters? Can you see it all? That's brilliant. What do you think the word is? Salvation. Yeah. It is indeed. So, take-home message. God was working his salvation out throughout the book of Esther in the middle of a secular kingdom with people who kept their faith hidden, with people who had no faith and had planned their own grisly course of events, but God was working his plan out. So whatever things are going on in our lives, we, our job is to make sure we are in the right place at the right time so that God can have his way with us.